Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866 3711. All right, this is episode number 29 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. And it is Friday, Friday, November 19th, 2021. And we're so delighted to be here. And I got to tell you something. I never in my life thought I would be doing something like this. But I'm thankful for the opportunity. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious. Last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence that out there that there are a lot of people having serious negative reactions to the vaccine. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support us financially, go to docwashroomshow.com and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, one of the things I want to discuss today is what kind of police brutality do liberals approve of? The great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, has a new article out called Terror in the Capitol Tunnel. Terror in the Capitol Tunnel. And she says, in 2018, after a local news crew filmed Ryan Nichols rescuing dogs abandoned by their owners after Hurricane Florence, the former Marine appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Not only did Ellen commend Nichols' longtime work as a search and rescue volunteer, she also donated $25,000 to the Humane Society in his name and gave Ryan and his wife Bonnie a $10,000 check to pay for the honeymoon they had missed the year before so Ryan could assist rescue efforts in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. But instead of heading to Hawaii... The Nicholses used a generous donation to buy a rescue boat. With his Marine buddy and best friend Alex Harkrider at his side, the pair has participated in dozens of hurricane rescues and disaster relief efforts, according to Joseph McBride, attorney for Ryan Nichols. Three years after his appearance on the Ellen DeGeneres TV show, Ryan Nichols was featured on another program, but this time Nichols spoke from the fitted confines of a political prison in the nation's capital. And instead of telling a heroic story of saving dogs drowning in rising floodwaters, Ryan Nichols told Newsmax host Greg Kelly a harrowing tale of what he saw at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. In a phone interview with Newsmax's Greg Kelly, and God bless Greg Kelly for putting this on the air, on November 9th, Ryan Nichols said, 
we showed up in good faith to protest the election results, but never would have imagined we would encounter the horrors that we did on the West Terrace and in the tunnel that day. When I saw women being beaten and in distress, my rescue instinct kicked in, and I knew I had no choice but to help rescue them. Now, Ryan Nichols' account is detailed in an appalling new court filing that confirms what American greatness has reported for months. And that's this. On January 6th, D.C. Metro and Capitol Police assaulted nonviolent protesters with explosive devices, rubber bullets, tear gas, and in some cases, their own fists and batons. A tunnel on the lower west side of the Capitol building became a dangerous and likely for at least one protester deadly battle scene as police viciously attacked American citizens on the so-called hallowed grounds of the U.S. Congress. Ryan Nichols of Texas has been behind bars since his January 18th arrest. He sits in the D.C. jail specifically used to house January 6th detainees, charged along with his friend Harkrider with multiple offenses, including assault of a police officer, civil disorder, and unlawful possession of pepper spray. So what on earth turned two decorated veterans with a history of helping people in crisis into so-called insurrectionists who allegedly attacked police officers? It was what they saw when they approached the tunnel around 3 p.m. on January 6. Attorney Joseph McBride wrote in a motion seeking Ryan Nichols' release, quote, They hear people screaming in pain and crying for help. Women and old men are bloodied and injured. Training and instincts kick in, and they head to the tunnel, wondering if an accident had happened and if other people were even more seriously injured, unquote. Attorney McBride viewed three hours of surveillance video captured by a Capitol security camera. The extensive system captured at least 14,000 hours of footage that the Justice Department and Capitol Police are desperate to keep away from public view. But Attorney McBride described for the first time what happened inside the tunnel where a combination of D.C. and Capitol Police ostensibly were stationed to prevent protesters from entering the building. In a November 1st filing, Attorney Joseph McBride said, Just after 4 p.m., Ryan is sprayed multiple times by an officer standing on a ledge in the tunnel. He's also separated from a woman who stood next to Ryan at different times at the Western Terrace. She was middle-aged and nice. Ryan promised to keep an eye on her. The woman was wearing a red shirt and a MAGA hat. Shortly thereafter, officers began terrorizing people in and around the tunnel. People are screaming and getting crushed. There's a pile of human beings stacked on top of each other at the tunnel entrance. People are trapped and there's nowhere to go. Unquote. Attorney McBride focused on the conduct of one officer in particular with badge number L359 and wearing a white shirt. The unidentified officer begins to, quote, beat a man for no apparent reason and beats the man so badly that the man crawls over to the woman with the MAGA hat, unquote. 
At this point, according to the security video, the officer turns his sights on the woman. Attorney McBride explained, quote, Then for reasons that no fair-minded or decent human being will ever understand, the officer wearing the white shirt turns his attention to the woman and begins to pulverize her. The weapon this officer appears to be using is a collapsible stick designed to break windows in emergency situations. This stick is neither designed nor to be used against another human being, unquote. For the next several minutes, between about 4 p.m. and around 4.15 p.m., the officer in the white shirt relentlessly beats the woman. Attorney McBride furnished a literal blow-by-blow account in the court document, and here it is. White shirt hits the woman in the head with his baton five times in seven seconds. The woman is sprayed directly in the eyes by officer on ledge. White shirt uses his baton to hit another person with a mask on. The woman and others are still being maced and hit by white shirt and ledge officer. Blood is visibly coming out of the woman's head and can be seen on the white, on the, on the white hoodie. White shirt and other officers are randomly assaulting people for no apparent reason. White shirt makes his way to front of the crowd again and targets woman who is attempting to escape. White shirt spears and pokes the woman with his baton about the head, neck, and face so as to inflict maximum pain. White shirt beats the woman with his baton, striking her eight times in six seconds. White shirt punches the woman in the face with his left hand, landing five punches in five seconds with all of his might. Another officer joins in and starts beating the woman in the head with his baton, landing 12 strikes in seven seconds. If you pause the video here, you'll see the welts on the woman's face along with a disturbing look of help, helplessness. Officers push the woman around the tunnel. The woman briefly collapses. White shirt follows the woman to the front of the tunnel and beats her with his baton as she's falling. The woman is taken to the back of the tunnel and is never seen again. And all that happens in less than five minutes. Julie Kelly, American Greatness, continues. These assaults occurred about 10 minutes before the lifeless body of Roseanne Boyland was seen lying on the ground just outside the tunnel. Most of the violent brawls between police and protesters take place near this tunnel in response to what Attorney McBride calls overwhelming police brutality and misconduct. Body-worn camera footage released by the courts and seen here, she links to it, show Boyland on her side not moving as her friend, Justin Winchell, begged for help. Winchell tries to scream while holding on to, holding on to Boyland, she's going to die. He turns to the crowd, I need somebody, anybody, he pleads. She's dead, she's dead. Attorney McBride then confirms another report by American Greatness. When he says Roseanne Boylan's body is dragged into the tunnel at 4.30 p.m. and is never seen again. Julie Kelly says in September, I reported that according to his congressional testimony, Officer Aquilino Ganell appears to be the person who handled Boylan's body after she died, dragging her inside the building where he is then met by Officer Harry Dunn. Officer Dunn told the January 6th Select Committee in July that he carried 
an unconscious woman, presumably Boyland, into House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer's office. The D.C. Medical Examiner's Office concluded that Boyland died of a drug overdose, but that autopsy result is highly suspicious considering the video footage and firsthand accounts of others about what happened to her that afternoon. Future court filings, interviews, and security footage will slowly re- reveal to the public how law enforcement, beginning at around, at around 1 p.m. that day and continuing for hours, attacked and beat American citizens who dared to protest the election of Joe Biden. Further, it will become clear that Joe Biden's Justice Department, with compliance by D.C. District Court judges, are keeping several eyewitnesses to the terror in the tunnel behind bars awaiting trials delayed until at least the middle of next year. Ryan Nichols' hearing for bond is set for December 20th, at which point... He will have been incarcerated for more than 11 months. He has no court date. Julie Kelly concludes saying much more to come as American greatness continues to expose the truth about January 6th. Now, is anyone speaking up for these people? Uh, I know that uh, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Northwest Georgia and U.S. Representative Louis Gohmert, Judge Gohmert of Texas, tried for months to get into that prison in D.C. to try to see these folks, and they finally were, they finally were able to get in. But um, it's troubling to me that hardly anyone else and our Congress is speaking up for these people, these political prisoners, some of whom were savagely beaten on January 6th, with no provocation, many of whom are kept in solitary confinement, many of whom have been denied bond Because radical prosecutors from Biden's DOJ tell radical judges, well, this person is dangerous because he agrees with Trump that the election was stolen. Oh, okay, well, no bond then. No bond then. Now, to give you an idea, to give you an idea, about how unequal justice is in this country. Um, It hasn't been that long. Early October, there was a school shooting, Timberview High School in Arlington, Texas. And the alleged shooter bonded out within 24 hours, $75,000 bond. Young man named Timothy Simpkins. Now, why is that? Why 
Why? 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 Why is that? Allegedly, allegedly shot several people. but bonded out. I uh, I don't understand that. We have so many people who were at the Capitol on January 6th who were charged with Nonviolent misdemeanors. Well, that uh, that 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 guy they call the Q shaman. The um, what's his name? Just got forty-one months for parading around the Capitol, and it turns out his uh, lawyer wasn't much of a lawyer. You're slobbering all over the prosecution all the time. Forty-one months from being escorted into the Capitol by the police and walking around and doing nothing. And yet you have an alleged school shooter bonds out $75,000 within 24 hours of the shootings in Arlington, Texas. There's uh, there's no justice. There's no justice in our country. And I have no idea. I have no idea how long I will be allowed to speak the truth to you. I mean, I was fired for not getting the jab. And now Biden's handlers are going to try to force everybody to get it, right? I'm not going to do it. I'm just absolutely, positively flat, not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. we got a lot of audio we need to share with you today. The greatest governor in America right now is a guy named Ron DeSantis in Florida. I still I still live in the, the state of Arkansas for the time being where a lot of people wish that we had a governor like Ron DeSantis. And let me let me just tell you why. One reason, just one little reason. So UAMS here in, in Arkansas, where I happen to be right now. UAMS which stands for University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, announced earlier this week, Dr. Cam Patterson, guy in charge of UAMS, hey, sorry, but you're all going to have to get vaccinated because the feds said so, and we can't afford for the feds cut off our money. Well, see, the problem is University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences is a state agency. Okay. And the state of Arkansas passed a law. The legislature passed a law. The governor signed it into law. The state agencies cannot force employees to get vaccinations. 
But the head of UAMS says, hey, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to break the law. Screw them. Who cares? Now, if we had a real governor, a guy like DeSantis, this guy would all have been fired. Well, we don't. We got a guy named Asa Hutchinson who is so corrupt, so corrupt, that when the legislature passed a bill outlawing sterilizing children, outlawing giving puberty blockers to five-year-olds, outlawing surgical castration, outlawing chemical castration, this so-called Republican governor, so-called conservative governor, so-called Christian, Asa Hutchinson, vetoed it, said it wouldn't be right. You got to let these little children decide that they they want to have uh, you know sex change surgery. And why did he do it? Well, I don't know. Walmart thought it was a great idea. The Walton Foundation cheered him on and condemned the state legislature. So um, anyway. In case any of my Arkansas listeners are curious, here's what a real governor sounds like. Ron DeSantis from Florida. There's times you need to stand up and you need to make your voice heard, and we have the ability to do it. So from the time we did that, yeah, that was just a few weeks ago, to be able to get these bills, get it through the legislature, and now sign it into law, um, you know, this stuff doesn't just happen overnight. That's a very, very quick response. So I'm proud that we were able to do that. And at the end of the day, nobody in Florida should be losing their job over these jabs. We want people to be able to work. We want people to be able to provide for their families. We want people to be able to have life. Livelihoods, and, and that's just the way it's going to be in this state. And we're going to stand by all these folks, and we're going to make sure that they have the ability uh, to make the best decisions for themselves. Yeah, Arkansas doesn't have a governor like that, but Florida does. Virginia thought they were electing a governor by, like that. Glenn Youngkin, who now has announced that if local municipalities want to do vaccine mandates, that is fine with him. That's just fine with him. And Virginia voters are going, wait. I thought we just voted against that. Wait, what? I thought we just voted against that. Glenn Young and his people are like, yeah, you thought you did, suckers. That's just remarkable. That, you know, you could be that tone deaf. It's absolutely remarkable. Well, that's what that was, was, has just been announced in the last 24 hours. He's not even taken office yet. And he announces he is fine with local cities and or counties doing vaccine mandates in the Old Dominion state of Virginia. Now, if you're saying, well, you know, don't reelect him in four years, guess what? In Virginia, you only get one term at a time anyway. Unfreaking believable.
All right, more from the greatest governor in the United States right now, Ron DeSantis. So, first of all, this idea that somehow conservatism is about, like, local school boards, it's the United States of America, not the United School Boards or County Commissions of America. So the the states are the primary vehicles to protect people's freedoms, their health, their safety, their welfare in our constitutional system. What Biden is doing is not constitutional. There has never been... There has never been a federal vaccine mandate imposed on the general public. I hear people talk about, you know, they used they do things in the military. Yeah, when I was in the military, they used to give me all kind of stuff. Honestly, I wish I would have thought a little bit, but I mean, whatever it was. But that's much different than regulating the military and then imposing it on civilians in society. It's never been done before. It's not. They don't have the power to do it. There's no federal police power. States have the, the federal the, 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 the police power. So that's from a constitutional perspective. It is worlds, worlds apart. Now, some people say, hey, these local governments wanted to lock down businesses. They wanted to force mandates. They wanted to keep the kids locked out of school. Yeah, you're damn right I overruled them on that. He says you're damn right I overruled them on that because they were wrong. Now, I want to go back. I want to go back for just a minute to uh, what I started the show with, which was the um, Capitol Hill Police and D.C. Police beating up peaceful Trump supporters on January 6th and probably causing the death of one of them, Roseanne Boyland, at the tunnel there on the West Terrace, the tunnel down from the West Terrace. But not to mention, not to mention the uh, the cop that ambushed and murdered Ashley Babbitt inside the Capitol. And peaceful protesters being held for many months, no bail, charged with nonviolent misdemeanors. Again, much credit to Marjorie Taylor Greene, U.S. Representative out of Georgia, and Louis Gohmert, U.S. Representative out of Texas. For speaking up for these folks, because hardly anybody else is. Hardly anybody else is. And it's uh it's a crying shame. You know who's not speaking up for him? Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader out of Kentucky. John Thune, Senate Majority Whip out of South Dakota. John Barrasso, Senate Republican Conference Chairman out of Wyoming. Roy Blunt, Senate Republican Policy Committee Chairman out of Missouri. 
Joni Ernst, Republican Conference Vice Chairman out of Iowa. Rick Scott, National Republican Senatorial Committee Chairman out of Florida. Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee. John Bozen, Arkansas. Mike Braun, Indiana. Richard Burr, North Carolina. Shelley Moore Capito, West Virginia. Bill Cassidy, Louisiana. Susan Collins of Maine. John Cornyn of Texas. Tom Cotton, Arkansas. Not a word. Not a word about Joe Biden's political prisoners. Kevin Kramer, North Dakota. Mike Crapo, Idaho. Ted Cruz. The big constitutional scholar, Ted Cruz out of Texas, has he said anything about Joe Biden's political prisoners? If he is, if he has, I've missed it. Steve Daines, Montana. Deb Fisher, Nebraska. Lindsey Grandesty, South Carolina. Sean, Sean, you just wait. Wait and see. We're going to get to the bottom of it. How many years has Hannity been been allowing him to say this? Get to the bottom of nothing, man. Chuck Grassley, Iowa. Bill Haggerty, Tennessee. Up and coming, uh, Josh Hawley, Missouri. Has he said anything about the Biden's political prisoners? I mean, he talks a great game. John Hova, North Dakota. Cindy Hyde-Smith, Mississippi. Jim Inhofe, Oklahoma. Now, I think Ron Johnson out of Wisconsin has actually spoken up for these people. I think he has. But has John Kennedy, Louisiana, who again is masterful with rhetoric, does some great questioning of people, has he said anything about the political prisoners of Joe Biden's Justice Department? I don't think so. Neither has James Lankford, Oklahoma, Mike Lee, Utah, Cynthia Loomis, Wyoming, Roger Marshall, Kansas, Jerry Moran, Kansas. Of course, Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, who may as well be a Democrat. She's not going to. But again, we have people like Rand Paul of Kentucky who has been just fantastic in trying to hold Anthony Fauci accountable, even referred him for criminal prosecution to the DOJ for, for, for lying under oath about the China virus. But Rand Paul himself, has, has he said anything about Joe Biden's political prisoners? I, if he has, I've missed it. Rob Portman, Ohio. Jim Risch, Idaho. Mitt Romney, Utah, of course not. Mike Round, South Dakota. Marco Rubio. The guy some of us once thought would be president never happened. Florida, not a word about Joe Biden's political prisoners. Or Ben Sass, Nebraska. Or Tim Scott, South Carolina. Or Richard Shelby, Alabama. Or Dan Sullivan of Alaska. Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania. Tommy Tuberville, Alabama. Roger Wicker, Mississippi. Todd Young, Indiana. Nobody, 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 nobody can be bothered to say a word in defense of Joe Biden's political prisoners, a lot of whom are veterans who serve this country proudly, the overwhelming majority of whom are charged with nonviolent misdemeanors and are held 
without bail for many months in appalling conditions. And who speaks up for them? Nobody. Now, over 70% of our podcast downloads this month are from outside the state I happen to be doing the show from, Arkansas. But for the time being, Arkansas is still the top state for podcast downloads. So I'll just mention the four members of the U.S. House of Representatives from Arkansas are Rick Crawford, Steve Womack, Bruce Westerman, and French Hill, and they can't be bothered. They can't be bothered to speak up for Joe Biden's political prisoners who are being held in appalling conditions, who are being tormented and persecuted. They can't be bothered. That's why I'm glad that uh, Rick Crawford and French Hill at least have uh, primary opponents and good ones too. Brant Smith challenging Rick Crawford. Colonel Conrad Reynolds challenging uh, French Hill. Really good primary opponents. And those opponents deserve to win on May 24th in Arkansas. But you know, of all the names I've mentioned of Republicans in Congress, Senate and House, who refuse to speak up for the political prisoners, who refuse to lift a finger to try to help them, You know who the biggest disappointment has been? Donald John Trump. He gave a speech at his rally on January 6th. He told the people, let's go over there and peacefully protest, peacefully protest. Of course, he had nothing to do with the violence. We all know that, no matter how much some people lie about it. But he told them he would be going with them, and he didn't. And then when they started arresting them by the hundreds, he was nowhere to be found. I've said it before, I'll say it again. He could come up with a legal defense fund. You know why the, 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 the guy in the, uh, in the uh, furry Viking hat with a paint on his face, you know why he just got 41 months? Because he couldn't afford a lawyer. And his public defender may as well have been working for the prosecution. That's why. That's why. The guy's a Navy veteran with mental problems. He didn't deserve to spend a day in jail because all he did was walk into the Capitol when the Capitol Police invited him in and then walk around and, and not do anything. 41 months. For everybody saying, hey, I hope... Uh, Trump runs again in 2024. Do you think he's learned from his mistakes? Because we all make mistakes. He appointed some bad people now. He took Chris Christie's advice. We finally found out who advised Donald Trump to appoint Christopher Wray to be FBI director. Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, 
who himself appointed a Muslim Brotherhood judge. He appointed a Muslim Brotherhood guy to New Jersey State Court and said that anybody's concerns about Sharia law are crap. And that's who Trump listened to? And you want to reelect him? I mean, he did a lot of good things. He made a lot of mistakes. I don't know if he's learned any, any from any of his mistakes. But the huge mistake he's making right now is abandoning the people who went over to the Capitol when he told them to and said, I'll, I'll, I'll be there too. I'm going with you. And January 6th, the Capitol is a, a setup by the feds. And they're persecuting these people, not because they did anything wrong, not because they broke any laws, but because they are Trump supporters. And he has abandoned them. Again, he could find the money for legal defense funds for these people and his sofa cushions. It would not be hard for him to say, look, they're mistreating your fellow Trump supporters. Let's come to their defense. I'm ponying up you know, $20,000, $200,000, whatever, and would you please also contribute? And that would be taken care of. And the guy who just got 41 months wouldn't have gotten 41 months. But um, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't do anything about it. I can't see inside the guy's heart. I don't have any idea. Because, see, here's the thing. I remember when... He got this right to try thing passed that if there's some kind of experimental drug and you're going to die anyway, why not give it a shot? And I remember this young lady speaking from a podium saying, Donald Trump saved my life. She said, Donald Trump was my good Samaritan. They told me I was going to die, and because of this right-to-try thing he got passed, I was able to try this experimental drug therapy, and it worked, and it saved my life. So what happened to that Trump? I mean, I think a lot of us who saw that, saw a new side of Donald Trump, a man with great compassion for his fellow man. What happened to that Trump? I don't understand. I don't understand why he has abandoned his supporters that went to the Capitol I have no idea. 
Julie Kelly wrote the other day about the atrocious, heartbreaking sentencing hearing for Jacob Chansley. She says, as I've said over and over, it's not just the corruption and dishonesty of the ruling class, especially DOJ and federal judges. Their lack of humanity is most troubling. Okay. I agree, Julie. Donald Trump, where's your humanity? Why have you abandoned your supporters? I don't understand. I don't understand. Be the easiest thing in the world. You know, not only would be the easiest thing in the world, but if you want to run again, why not make the point? I mean, you've made the point. You've reiterated over and over again. I always say peaceful protest. Why not make the point that the feds set up your supporters? Why not come to their defense? Why do you just cast them to the wind? I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if anybody has any thoughts about it, you know, if you're listening live on the Podbean app, I see the comments coming up. You know, if there's something I'm missing here, let me know. And thank you um, to, uh, well, I don't know how to pronounce this. <laughs> it is uh, uh, T-P-I-X-F-C... QK, it says you're 100% correct. Thank you. Appreciate that. And to Terry Floyd saying, hey, 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 keep the facts coming, Doc. Thank you very much. Okay, you pronounce it TPEX. All right, appreciate that. But what, what possible reason, what possible good is Trump doing by ignoring what is being done to his supporters, the overwhelming majority of whom have been indicted for nonviolent misdemeanors and have no criminal records. A lot of them are veterans. And some of them have been beaten in prison by prison guards. Some of the toilets are backed up. Some of them are kept in solitary around the clock. Many of them are not given any kind of lawyer-client confidentiality. Um, the so-called food they're being given is starving some of them. It's horrible. It's horrible. I don't understand why Trump won't do anything. The least he could do is speak up for them and start a legal defense fund. That's the least he could do. Most Americans, most Trump supporters have no idea this is going on. He knows. He's mentioned them briefly in some of his rallies, but he doesn't do anything. And that's crying shame. That's crying shame. So again, this, um, 
Jacob Chansley guy gets 41 months. For what? For parading around the Capitol, not hurting a flea after the police let him in. Because he couldn't afford a lawyer. All right, enough on that for now. Um, Speaking of the elites coming down on us like a ton of bricks, remember what Nancy Pelosi said in 2009? About Obamacare, we're just going to have to pass it so you can find out what's in it. And then you find out the so-called Affordable Care Act makes your health care more expensive. Is that the way it feels to you? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Hmm? I mean... If you relate to any of that, let me tell you, you need to call my buddy, Art Wilborn. His website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. What does he offer? Actual affordable health insurance plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No copays. What? Low to no deductible, no copays. What? That's possible? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just go to the website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. Click where it says schedule call now. Free consultation. Art Willborn to make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. And, 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 and as a nice sidelight here, you get an insurance plan that does, doesn't force you to cover things that would offend your deeply held religious beliefs. You don't have to be like Obamacare where, oh, you got to cover abortion, you know, even your 75-year-old guy, you know, could never have one. Or even if you're a woman of childbearing, years and you would never have one anyway because it's horrible because you love God. Imagine getting a health insurance plan that cuts your premiums 30 to 50%, gives you personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays, and doesn't force you to cover things which horrify you. Go to Art's website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. Myfamilyhealthplan.com. Book a free consultation. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. You will be so glad that you did. All right. That having been said. I got so much more, so much more to talk about today. Um, The great Cheryl Atkinson. Now, she is an investigative journalist going back many, many years. How could someone have been doing this for so long and still look so young? I don't know. She must be living right. Um, 
anyway, she's got a television show that comes on every Sunday morning all over the country called Full Measure. And she's got a new article out. Maybe, maybe this will get me banned from Facebook. Exclusive, increased number of COVID-19 vaccine injury claims from government employees. Really? Is anybody else telling you about this? Is anybody else allowed to tell you about this? I don't know. She says in the face of the Biden administration's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for federal employees and contractors, the government reports it's already getting an increased number of claims resulting from apparent adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, isn't that amazing? They don't want you to know about this, do they? She says, normally vaccine injuries are not compensated by the government, but the feds announced an exception and said it will cover COVID-19 vaccine injuries since employees are forced to take them to continue employment. No word as to who, if anyone, is considered liable for vaccine injuries in private industry when companies require COVID-19 vaccination. An announcement on November 8th told federal employees that the Department of Labor Federal Employees Compensation Program has been receiving the injury claims. The Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has temporarily suspended implementation of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate at private employers with 100 or more employees. And then she actually links to the announcement about vaccine injury claims. This is amazing to me. I'm gonna have to blow this up so I can so I can read it. Zoom. Yeah, let me zoom a little bit more. So here's an announcement from the uh, from the ATF protecting the public serving our nation. Announcement. Filing a claim for a reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine, November 8th, 2021. And it says, the Office of Human Resources and Professional Development, Workforce Wellness, and Services Division would like to share information received from the Department of Labor on how to file a claim for a reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine. The Department of Labor's Federal Employees Compensation Program has been receiving an increased number of claims resulting from apparent adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccination. When filing such claim at www.ecomp.dol.gov, use a standard form CA-1, Federal Notice of Traumatic Injury and Claim for Continuation of Pay slash Compensation with the COV Indicator, see below guide. Do not use... The option to file the COVID-specific CA-1 for a claim related to a COVID-19 vaccination. Note, the COV indicator will be selected by the agency reviewer when submitting any claim resulting from an adverse reaction to the COVID-19 vaccination. Huh. How about that? Because, see, they try to tell us there is no such, don't they? Don't they? They try to tell us everything's going to be fine. 
everybody going to be fine. Everything going to be fine, right? I know they lie. You know they lie. They know we know that they lie. Yet they keep on lying. You know, there's one rule of the uh, <clears throat> of the con artists, and that is never give up the con. Never give up the con. So, so the Fifth Circuit, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, has ruled that OSHA does not have the legal authority to mandate vaccines. So White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, we don't care, full speed ahead. Don't care what the court said. Now, that's dangerous. It's dangerous for any presidential administration to say, we're going to ignore a court order. Uh, you're putting yourself in a pretty bad position doing that my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. So did you hear that the FDA has told the court that it doesn't want, it's asking the court to let it wait 55 years to 2076 to get to get all the documentation all the paperwork out about it approving this uh Pfizer vaccine the Comirnaty vaccine which by the way is no, is not even yet ava available in the United States you hear about this well the epic times E-P-O-C-H, the Epoch Times, has a remarkable explanation of what's going on with that. I don't know the name of the guy who's speaking, but it's the guy who, if you've ever been on YouTube and, and a pop-up comes up for the Epoch Times, it's that guy, the, the young-looking guy with the glasses. And a big... Big thank you to a guy named Josh on um, Twitter who goes by the, the tag, The Dirty Truth. Um, Josh is in um, a center for folks who are severely disabled, as he is, and he spends his time capturing audio and making it available for folks on Twitter and it's uh, God bless him. God bless Josh. Anyway, from over the Epic Times, explaining exactly what the FDA is trying to do, asking the court to do, and how what they want to do is patently illegal. Here we go. 
discussion by talking about Pfizer. Just three days ago, the FDA went to a federal judge and they asked him to allow them to take 55 full years to release all of the documents in their possession that pertain to the approval of the Pfizer vaccine. Let me just repeat that. The FDA went to a federal judge and they asked for permission to withhold the documents in their possession that are related to the approval of the Pfizer vaccine until 55 years from now. Meaning that if this request is actually granted, the complete set of documents won't see the light of day until the year 2076. Now, I'd like to give you some background on this particular case. What happened was that several months ago, a medical transparency group called Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency, they made a Freedom of Information Act request against the FDA. And in that request, they essentially wanted the FDA to turn over all of the documents which were related to the authorization of the Pfizer vaccine, which you think wouldn't take too long given the fact that a typical authorization process takes many years, However, the FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine only 108 days after it began to be manufactured. Yeah. See, that's never been done before. Right? It takes years to get approval of a vaccine. They approved it 108 days. Never happened before. So these doctors are suing, saying, hey, how'd you wind up doing that? We want to see the paperwork. I mean, the only conceivable conclusion is a lot of money, money changed hands under the table, right? But anyway, here's more. However, as a response, the FDA claimed that it would take too long to release all of these documents at once, and so they wanted to negotiate on some kind of a release schedule. However, after several months of back and forth, this group of medical doctors and the FDA, they were not able to agree on a schedule, and so this group of doctors filed a lawsuit in federal court against the FDA. Here's part of the argument that these doctors were making about why this disclosure is important and why it needs to be made in a timely manner. Here's what they wrote, quote, it took the FDA precisely 108 days for from when Pfizer started producing the records for licensure on May 7, 2021, to when the product was licensed on August 23, 2021. We assume, as the FDA has stated, that it conducted an intense, robust, thorough, and complete review and analysis of those documents in order to assure that the Pfizer vaccine was safe and effective for licensure. The FDA now has an equally important task of making those documents available to the plaintiff in this case and the public at large in at least the same time frame. Yeah. Why should that be a problem? You, the FDA, are telling us everything is fine. You know, we approve this in 108 days, even though there's never been an approval of a new drug in less than years and years. But this is just fine. But no, we don't want to let you see what we did and how we did it. Really? Uh, something smells funny here. Here's more. Now, just to pause here for a quick moment, essentially, this group of medical doctors is saying that the FDA took only 108 days to conduct their full review and that all of their documents pertaining to the review process, they should be made public for the sake of transparency. And then they continue in this statement to say that being transparent is actually a requirement according to the FDA's own guidelines. According to the Code of Federal Regulations, subsection 601.51. 
Now, just to pause here for another quick moment, that particular federal regulation that is cited in that part of the lawsuit, you can find it over on the FDA's website, and it says in part, quote, after a license has been issued, the following data and information in the biological product file are immediately available for public disclosure unless extraordinary circumstances are shown. And then in that same statute, it lists some of the data that is to be disclosed, including all safety and effectiveness data and information, adverse reaction reports, a list of all active ingredients and any inactive ingredients previously disclosed to the public, and so on. Now, wait a minute. Because it just came out that they lied about how many people died in the trial. They said only, um, was it 15 or 16 people died in the trial? They were given the new Pfizer vaccine, which is not yet available in the U.S., and 17 um, people that were given the placebo died. They come to find out that they left out five or six people. It's 21 died of the vaccine, which is, I mean, 21 died of COVID, even though they were vaccinated, which is higher than the number of people in the control group. And by now, everybody in the control group has been given the vaccination also, so they totally destroyed it. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the doctors here have a, a good reason to do this lawsuit because we already know they're lying to us. Here's more from the Epic Times. The list is actually pretty comprehensive if you go down it into the type of information that the FDA should be disclosing to the public immediately after a vaccine is approved. And I mean, frankly, it's not ambiguous. I mean, it's right there written in the statute. However, according to this lawsuit, the FDA has not released a single page of documentation. Here's, in fact, what the lawsuit states, quote, the FDA knew the intense public interest in that data and information. It should have been preparing to release it simultaneously with the licensure. Instead, it has done the opposite. Despite the passage of 84 days since licensure and 192 days since Pfizer started producing the records for licensure, the FDA has now released a single document submitted by Pfizer for the licensure of its COVID-19 vaccine. Not one page. Now, as a response to this lawsuit, as we mentioned earlier, the FDA came out and they made a request of this federal judge. They said, since there are in total more than 329,000 pages of documents that are related to the Pfizer approval, they are proposing to release 500 pages of documents per month. They claim that this particular pace, it would allow them time to redact sensitive information that they don't want released to the public. However, the caveat is that if they release 500 pages per month, if you do the math, it will take the FDA 55 years to fully release all of the records all right do you realize when, when he talks about federal statute that means it's law the fda is violating the law and see the problem here and there's a brilliant attorney uh, down in southwest arkansas named joe churchwell who i, I learned a lot from and one of the big things I learned from him is that when the government passes a law mandating what the government shall do, what is the remedy if the government doesn't follow its own law? Okay? If the government makes it illegal for the government 
to do something or not do something. Is there any kind of criminal penalty for whoever makes the decision to break that law? Again, never forget, the Constitution is not um, self-enacting. It's just a piece of paper unless we take it seriously and unless the courts uphold it. Same with any other kind of federal statute. Anyway, here's more from the EpicTimes.com. Here's in, in fact part of what the FDA wrote in their filing to the court. Quote, in this case, FDA has assessed that there are more than 329,000 pages potentially responsive to plaintiff's FOIA request. The FDA proposes to process and produce the non-exempt portions of responsive records at a rate of 500 pages per month. Courts do not waver from the standard 500 page per month processing rate even when a FOIA request would take years to process. Correct. That 500 page per month rate is fairly standard practice for a FOIA request. However, the medical doctors in this case, they are making the argument that for one, people across the country are at risk of losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods, as well as losing some of their rights to the vaccine mandates that have sprung up after the approval of the Pfizer vaccine. Maybe even losing their lives, huh? That's uh, That's an adverse reaction. And so in this extraordinary circumstance, the plaintiffs are arguing that Americans should have transparent access to the full breadth of documents, which led to the Pfizer vaccines getting its approval, even if that proves inconvenient to the FDA. Here's, in fact, what the plaintiffs in the case, who are, again, these medical doctors, here's what they wrote as a part of their argument. Quote, for the Americans that will lose their job, income, career, military status, education, or worse, for refusing a federal mandate requiring this product, they do not get to argue that it is too burdensome to comply with federal law. That is not an excuse that individuals get to make when a federal law requires them to do something. The FDA should similarly be afforded no such safe harbor. Certainly not on an issue this important. And then secondly, the plaintiffs in the case, who are again this group of medical doctors, they make the case that since the FDA was able to handle an extremely complex task of approving a vaccine in just 108 days, when again that normally takes many years, therefore they argue that likewise there should be no reason that the FDA can't review all of the documents within that same time span, within 108 days. Exactly. And the only reason they don't want to do it is because it's obvious it's obvious that there's no possible way they could have done this and done it correctly. Okay, we're seeing on the, uh, on the TV monitors as jury reaches verdict in Kyle Rittenhouse's trial. We'll give that to you as soon as we can. Here's the... Here's a, about less than a minute more of this. Here's what they wrote, quote, This 180-day period is the same amount of time it took the FDA to review the responsive documents for the far more intricate task of licensing Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. The FDA is an organization comprised of more than 18,000 people with a budget of $6 billion. It has itself said that there is nothing more important than the licensure of this vaccine and being transparent about this vaccine. Therefore, we respectfully request that the court enter an order requiring the the FDA to produce all documents and data submitted by Pfizer on a rolling basis such that all of it shall be produced on or before March 3rd, 2022, which is 108 days from today. Now, thus far, these arguments have just been submitted to the court, and the judge in the case, the federal judge that's presiding over this lawsuit, has yet to make a ruling. Also, we here at the Epic Times, we did reach out to the FDA for comment on this particular case, but we have yet to hear back. And who knows if you ever will. Who knows if you ever will. 
So we're standing by. We're keeping a watch on the uh, the courtroom as it has been announced that the verdict has been reached in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And I, I want to take you back. I want to take you back to an article by uh, Ralph Branca over at LegalInsurrection.com uh, from several days ago explaining what a horrible mistake what a horrible mistake um, the defense Kyle Rittenhouse's defense made in their closing argument the defense attorney was coming from his own viewpoint of being ticked off with the shenanigans of the prosecution. Instead of putting himself in the shoes of the jurors, okay? And I hope that didn't sink the case for, for Kyle. I mean, because if it did, on appeal, he could, uh, with new lawyers, I think make a convincing case that he did not have adequate representation. But the, um, the article from Ralph Branca over at LegalInsurrection.com, I did... I did uh, Link to it on my, yeah, defense delivers disappointingly weak closing argument. I linked to it on my Facebook page. Now, I don't know if that does anybody any good because I've had people who are not Facebook friends with me tell me that uh, when they go to my Facebook page, they can't see anything more recent than a few months ago. So I don't know if that does any good. But... The thing that really really troubled me was that they were out more than just a few minutes. You know? It also troubled me that loud, loud anti-justice, anti-Rittenhouse demonstrators were allowed to congregate and make a lot of noise right outside the courthouse. It also troubled me that MSNBC sent somebody to chase down the bus with the jurors in it. It also troubled me that this judge, this Bruce Schroeder judge, did not sequester the jurors. In, in such a, a big, high-profile murder case, how could you possibly not sequester the jurors? I don't know. Now, I will say this. The overwhelming majority of people who listen to the Doc Washburn show 
listen to the pod the podcast after the fact. You download it, and we appreciate that so much. But we do cover breaking news on this live stream when it happened, when it happens. So if you ever want to listen live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, it's not hard to do. Just download the Podbean app on your phone. It's not at all hard to do. Got a comment here from uh, Terry Floyd. She says, Doc, can you tell me why any of these obvious crimes that have happened and are happening with all the proof needed in obvious existence are overwhelmingly unaddressed, no culpability slash accountability anywhere. I truly do not understand why obvious wrongs can't be stopped, prosecuted, addressed at all. Aren't there enough truth speakers who know the, re- who know the rest, truth, of these atrocities that could get it out and over the insanity fence between us and them? I think she's talking about the uh, the police attacking the uh, peaceful protesters at the Capitol. Well, I mean, a great question, Terry, but I think the Biden's Justice Department would have to prosecute, and they don't want to do that. I mean, they really don't want to do that. Um. But clearly, that Lieutenant Michael Byrd guy should be prosecuted for the murder of Ashley Babbitt, and there's no uh, statute of limitations on that. And from everything I've read about what happened to Roseanne Boyland in the tunnel down from the the, the terrace there at the Capitol, she probably was killed by the police too, and there should be a, a murder investigation into that. But none of that will happen as long as this regime is in power. Just, you know, but again, no statute of limitations on that. Jury reaches verdict in Kyle Rittenhouse trial. A lot of us have really been praying that justice will be done. Hey, Brian, is there uh, any way that uh, we can turn up the volume here? The defendant will stand the state of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rosenbaum, as to the first count, we find the defendant not guilty. As to the second count, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count, uh, the information, we, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count, find the Defendant Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty. As the fifth count, we the jury find the defendant Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty. That's it. Yes. That's it. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty all charges as it should have been about ten minutes after the jurors were given the case. Beautiful. 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 <laughs> I am uh, 
I'm rarely at a loss for words. But this is fantastic. This is absolutely fantastic. Okay. And the libs are already freaking out. This woman says, Kyle Rittenhouse verdict was not guilty. She says, I really have no blanking faith in this world. The jurors watched the videos of the two people he shot and killed and still chose to vote not guilty. And I responded, clearly self-defense because that's what it was. That's what it was. All right, let me go right to um, <laughs> uh, John Solomon's uh, justthenews.com. They reported officially a Wisconsin jury on Friday has reached a verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Rittenhouse faced murder and other charges in the fatal shooting of two men and the wounding of another during a chaotic night on social justice protests on August 25th, 2020. Prosecutors claimed in closing arguments Monday that Rittenhouse, 17 at the time of the shootings, was a wannabe soldier who provoked bloodshed by bringing a semi-automatic rifle to the night of protests and rioting amid the summer of social justice demonstrations. Rittenhouse's lawyer said his client acted in self-defense after being ambushed by a crazy person who he feared would wrest away his gun and use it to kill him. That's true. The verdict came after two weeks of testimony, including the defendant's testimony. 18 juror, jurors heard the case. The 12 who decided Rittenhouse's fate and the six who were designated alternates were determined by a drawing from a raffle drum. Rittenhouse said he went to Kenosha from his home in Illinois to protect property from rioters. All right, so now, now he gets to sue a lot of folks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe Biden, running for president October of last year, called him a white supremacist. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse gets to sue some folk. And Nicholas Sandman. Remember? Remember Nick? Nicholas Sandman. The Covington High School. Covington Kentucky Catholic High School student who was slandered, who was libeled by so many people in the media and Hollywood movie stars and big news networks just started suing people like crazy. He didn't do anything wrong. And Nicholas Sandman did an exclusive article in the UK Daily Mail a couple of years, a couple of days ago. Said, "Hey, Kyle." I'm here for you, my brother. I'm here for you. Let the lawsuits begin as soon as you're found not guilty. Oh, yeah. Some folk out there deleting tweets already, but it's too late because the Internet's forever. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And here we were thinking 
There must be some folk on that jury terrified about possible violence to them if they did the right thing. Know what I'm saying? One of my uh, one of my listeners out there, one of my live listeners out there on the Podbean app, Terry Floyd, who we're quoting a little bit ago, says, "Praise the Lord, bless his innocent heart, and protect him from any fallout." Amen and amen. Amen and amen. My buddy Andy McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney over there on Fox, saying, "Look." Everything was corroborated, you know. You know, it, it, it should have told us something when the prosecution's star witnesses made the case for the defense. You know what I'm saying, Holmes? Gage Grosskreutz, who traveled a lot further than Kyle Rittenhouse did with a gun, under oath, testified, Kyle did not shoot me until I pointed my Glock at him. That's a prosecution star witness. Making the case for the defense. And uh, when he did, (laughs) the... uh, Assistant DA, the fat one, Kraus, put his head in his hands. Like, no, 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 this is not happening. No. Now, are there going to be any legal ramifications for the prosecution withholding exculpatory evidence and... uh, And for them tampering with evidence, the drone footage. Any ramifications for that? Should be. Should be. I love this. There's a guy named Matt Drudge. Remember him? Got a website called Drudge Report. He used to uh he used to uh pose as a conservative and somehow or another he went over the dark side a few years ago. Drudge Report uh has a big picture of Kyle Rittenhouse with his gun pointed down. Because he knows about gun safety. You can't find one with him pointed up unless he's trying to save his life. He says, not guilty. Not guilty. How about that? How about them apples, Matt? He links to CBS Chicago, Channel 2 of Chicago. Kyle Rittenhouse acquitted of all charges in the 2020 Kenosha shootings. 
Let's see how they how they spin it. Chicago CBS. Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of all charges on Friday after his trial for shooting three people, killing two of them in Kenosha last year. Rittenhouse broke down in tears, nearly collapsing as the jury announced they had found him not guilty of all charges. He had faced five counts, including charges of first-degree reckless homicide, first-degree reckless endangerment, first-degree intentional homicide, and attempted first-degree attempted homicide. There was no question Rittenhouse shot anyone, and the trial boiled down to whether he was legitimately acting in self-defense. He had been charged in connection with the shootings of three people in August 2020 during protests over the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Remember Jacob Blake? The guy who was trying to get the knife? When the cops told him, stop, put your hands behind your back, trying to get the knife and get in the car and take the kid somewhere, who knows where, and shot by the cops? Rittenhouse shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber and wounded Gage Grosskreutz during the widespread civil unrest in Kenosha after Jacob Blake was shot by police. The not guilty verdict came after approximately 26 hours of deliberations over four days. Rittenhouse's attorneys are expected to discuss the verdict later Friday at their offices in Racine, Wisconsin. Prosecutors have said they do not plan to speak to the media after the verdict. I wonder why. I am the one who is wondering why the prosecution doesn't want to take any questions from the media because they're so corrupt. Because they probably committed crimes themselves. Because it was the most hapless prosecution I think I've ever seen in my life. Ha ha ha! Ha ha ha! Ha ha! Prosecutors said they do not plan to speak to the media after the verdict. I bet I know. I mean, if, if you. Okay, let me put it this way. If. You were an enterprising, intrepid young journalist. And you really wanted to find the prosecutors, to ask them some questions. You know what I'm saying, Holmes? I bet I know where you could find them. Mm-hmm. The closest bar to the courthouse. I'm looking at Google Maps right now. The closest bar to the courthouse. I'm looking at Google Maps right now. What is the closest bar to the courthouse? I'm going to figure it out. Um... Okay, I see uh, Kenosha County Courthouse right there on Sheridan Road, Highway 32. And um, 
Okay, the 1844 table and mash is closed. They don't open until 4 p.m. Um, the downtown, the downtown or saloon and restaurant looks like the closest bar to the courthouse. If I were a journalist, that's where I would be staking out. Yep. That's where I would be looking for the um, the prosecution. Because it's going to be my guess. Uh, they're going to need uh, feel the need for a lot of adult beverages this afternoon. Now, let me see. Oh, well, it looks like the food's great. Hey, if I was in Kenosha, you know, and I hardly ever drink adult beverages myself. Looks like the food is just out of this world. The Downtowner Saloon is a Southwest-inspired restaurant in beautiful downtown Kenosha. Trust us, you're going to love our food, our drinks, and the welcoming, friendly feeling. We have a full dining room, second-floor bar, an amazing rooftop patio, plus we have specials and happy hour deals. Man, oh, man, they got some kind of um, nachos here, a bunch of corn in it and stuff. They got sandwiches and, oh, man, wings, all kind of stuff. It says, good food, good drink. I'll bet you that's where the prosecutors are, are headed. Because <laughs> good food, good drink. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Okay. Okay. I hardly ever do this, but I'm getting such good comments on the Podbean Live app from one of our uh, people that's listening to the, uh, the Doc Washington Show live today. Terry Floyd says, was going to say you couldn't pay me to be on that jury. Then I immediately thought about the final stand, good versus evil. Good will triumph if and only if we stand up for it, speaking and sharing. So I've revised my thought. I believe if it were legal, I'd pay to be on the jury. You don't have to keep mentioning my name. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> she says she's just frustrated thinking about it all and how difficult it is to remove the scales, which, by the way, is the only explanation I can come up with. People have scales over their eyes, yeah. Right, right, right. Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty on all charges. Um, so now he needs to get some of those uh, defamation attorneys. Anyway, let me, let me go back to uh, CBS Channel 2 out of Chicago, which is what uh, the Drudge Report linked to, okay? Because I digress here for a minute. Go back to what they said. There was no question, they say, Rittenhouse shot anyone. The trial boiled down to whether he was legitimately acting in self-defense. He had been charged in connection with the shootings of three people in August 2020 during protests over the police shootings Police shooting of Jacob Blake. Rittenhouse shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum. Uh, they don't mention he was a uh, 
Joseph Rosenbaum raped five little boys, age 9 to 11. They don't mention that. Anthony Huber, they don't mention that he was a wife beater. And wounded Gage Grosskreutz, they don't mention his long criminal track record. During the widespread civil unrest in Kenosha after Blake was shot by police, the not guilty verdict came after approximately 26 hours of deliberations over four days. Rittenhouse's attorneys are expected to discuss the verdict later. Friday at their offices in Racine, prosecutors have said they do not plan to speak to the media after the verdict. No, but I think you can find it with closest bar. Anyway, Rittenhouse, who was 17 when he shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber and wounded Gage Grosskreutz, took the stand during the trial testifying he was acting in self-defense and never wanted to kill anybody. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. I defended myself. Prosecutors had argued Rittenhouse instigated the violence that night, acting as a reckless vigilante inserted himself in a situation where he didn't belong. Kenosha County Assistant District Attorney Thomas Clueless Binger said during closing arguments, quote, you cannot claim self-defense against the danger you create. That's critical right here. If you're the one who's threatening others, you lose the right to claim self-defense, unquote. See, Thomas Binger, Thomas Binger is a bald-faced liar. He knew and he knows that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't threaten anybody else. Didn't threaten anybody else. See, the, the temptation is to, um, is to put an adverb in front of the word liar. And I just, you know, it's, it's just not appropriate. That's, we're not supposed to talk like that. Okay? So I'm trying to show restraint here. Um, CBS 2 out of Chicago says, however, some of the prosecution's own witnesses bolstered Rittenhouse's self-defense claims. Oh! Oh! The mainstream media admits it. The mainstream media admits it. What is the, the late great... Rush Limbaugh would call it a random act of journalism. No, not a drive-by. A random act of journalism. They're actually admitting it. <laughs> For example, this is beautiful. For example, military veteran Ryan Balch, who said he was with Rittenhouse for part of the night and also carrying an AR-15-style rifle, told jurors Rosenbaum threatened to kill them. Videographer Richie McGinnis also testified Rosenbaum started chasing Rittenhouse, lunging for his gun. Grosskreutz himself also acknowledged he was carrying a loaded handgun during his encounter with Rittenhouse, and it was aimed at the teen when Rittenhouse shot him. Although Grosskreutz insisted he wasn't intentionally pointing the gun at Rittenhouse and wouldn't have shot him. No, of course I wasn't going to shoot him. When I pointed my Glock at him, I just wanted him to see the other side of it. Yes, that's when he shot me and vaporized my biceps. See, right here, this is where my bicep used to be. But I wasn't going to actually shoot him. I mean, which one of us hasn't pointed a Glock in a 17-year-old's face with no intention of ever shooting him? 
That's the sound of 10 million not coming into my coffers. I'm so sad today. (laughs) Before deliberations began Tuesday morning, the field of 18 jurors was winnowed down to 12 after their numbers were placed on pieces of paper in the lottery, tumbler in the courtroom, and Rittenhouse himself picked six pieces of paper that were used to identify the alternate jurors. The alternate jurors are three white males and three white females, leaving the lone person of color still on the jury of seven women and five men who will decide the verdict. What does that have to do with anything? See, CBS 2, you're doing such a great job, and now all of a sudden you're getting into this race, racial stuff. To what end? But I digress. During their second day of deliberations, the jury spent about 45 minutes reviewing video evidence from the case. Issues surrounding the video prompted the defense to call for a mistrial again. Prosecutors said jurors should be able to watch any of the videos of the shootings as many times as they want, but defense attorneys objected to allowing the jury to view drone video of Rittenhouse shooting and killing Joseph Rosenbaum, and the defense team is seeking a mistrial over that video, claiming prosecutors provided them with a lower-quality video, lower-quality version of the video, which was improper. Well, they're not seeking a mistrial anymore! Defense attorney Corey Chirafisi said, we got a compressed version, which was not of the quality that they had. That doesn't strike me as fair. That was a second call for mistrial, which prosecutors rebuffed and called inappropriate. Of course they did. Prosecutors said they sent the defense the same version of the video they received and believe because it was being transferred from a prosecutor's Apple phone to a defense attorney's Android phone, the file was compressed during transfer. Yeah, that's been totally, that's been totally debunked, though. They don't believe that. They screwed around with the video. When both sides later learned the defense had received a lower-quality version of the video, prosecutors provided the defense with a higher-quality version. Yeah, too late. Judge Schroeder said he would let jurors watch the drone video if they wanted to see it, but he also wanted the uh, wanted to hear from expert witnesses. Oh, now it's going. Now it's going to. Uh, I'm saying wanted. They're saying once. It's going from past tense to present tense. They had this thing lined up, ready to roll, and they didn't change it from present tense to past tense. Well, that's enough for CBS, too. Get a lot of uh, comments here from people listening to the Doc Washburn Show live today on the Podbean app. Again, for everybody who listens later, because you downloaded the podcast, God bless you. We appreciate you. But if you want to hear the live show, it's not that hard to do. Download the Podbean app on your phone. Uh, let's see. guy who goes by Jack Straw says at this point, if someone hasn't been red-pilled, I think that they're in denial and don't want to be red-pilled. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody else who's, uh, who's Podbean handle I can't pronounce says, so happy to hear this great news. Justice for Kyle. Uh, Brennan Boyd says AP release claims the rifle was illegally purchased for Rittenhouse. Okay, well, they need to be sued. They need to be sued. Uh, let me see. Here's another one. Um, she says, the best way I have figured out 
to help the blind see is to tell them your story and direct them to your Podbean podcast. Honestly, not trying to give you a plug, though I do that off the radio all the time. Well, thank you, dear. God bless you. Appreciate it. Uh, Brendan Boyd also says AP doesn't mention Grosskreutz illegally owned firearm. No, they don't. Odd about that. The Associated Press in the tank for the bad guys. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Uh, let me see. Ava says, I'm so surprised people are, are so admit that he's guilty, yet they didn't follow the case. So upset, I guess, that he's guilty. That, that he hasn't been found guilty. says, Kyle Rittenhouse is a true American that understands th- that freedom is to be fought for, not expected. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's 17. I, he's a good guy from, from all. He's 18 now. From all accounts, I don't know what he understood, but I do know that he understood that if he didn't shoot these people, they're going to kill him. And that's what it boiled down to. I mean, that right there is what it boiled down to. Did I mention that they said that uh, Biden had to get a colonoscopy this morning, so while he was under amnesia, um, Kamala was like acting president for a little bit? Okay, we got the moment Kyle Rittenhouse realized he was fully acquitted right here. Let's see what this audio sounds like. H. Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse, not guilty. Members of the jury, are these your unanimous verdicts? Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read? Uh, Would you wish the jury pulled? No. Okay. Uh, Okay, folks, your uh, job is done. And... uh, so uh, he was in tears and he collapsed and he hugged his defense attorney. I like what Amber Smith said over there on Twitter. She's a former Pentagon official, has a group called Help for Afghans, former Army helicopter pilot. She said, this poor guy, Time for him to sue everyone who defamed him, including Facebook, Joe Biden, and the rest of the mainstream media. That's right. That's absolutely correct. No question. If he had been found guilty, see what, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. They weren't just going after Kyle Rittenhouse. They're going after you and me. And our right to self-defense. The great Matthew Colkin over there on Twitter. Um, immigration lawyer himself says, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be a multi-multi-millionaire. If I'm MSNBC, I offer to preemptively settle right now. Right now. RB Pundit 
says Kyle Rittenhouse should sue every so-called news organization that called him a white supremacist murderer. Amen. Christina Peshaw, communications director for the great Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, says he's going to be the richest cop in America because he wants to be a police officer. The great Ali Beth Stuckey over the Blaze TV says, now get the heck out of Dodge, Kyle, and make the most of this free life God has given you. Amen. The great Matt Walsh. I, I keep forgetting, is he the Blaze or, or, or Daily Wire or both? I don't know. He says, I hope Rittenhouse bankrupts all you dirtbags and media who smeared him as a white supremacist. I hope he ruins your life. I want you to suffer. It's what you deserve. It's justice. Wendy Rogers, Arizona State Senator, says, sue Zuckerberg for lying about Rittenhouse. Yeah, I want Rittenhouse to own Facebook after this is all over. <laughs> this guy named Bonchi, I don't know what his real name is. He writes for redstate.com. He says, I was assured that Rittenhouse was guilty because he crossed state lines. Have I been misled? Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, so, uh, A blogger, Tim Poole, journalist, disaffected liberal, commentator, filmmaker, et cetera, et cetera, says, verdict on a Friday, what the blank were they thinking? Maximum riots? The great Murray Rothbard answers him, what matters most is that justice was served. It is on the law enforcement agencies in Kenosha and Wisconsin to do their jobs, along with every citizen who has the right to self-defense in the event needed. Those who engage in riots will do so any day of the week. That is co Wrecked. Co-wrecked. The idiot, Mayor Bill de Blasio, New York City mayor, but I like calling him by his real name, Warren Wilhelm. That's what his mama named him, Warren Wilhelm. He goes out there and says, Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum are victims. They should be alive today. The only reason they're not is because a violent, dangerous man chose to take a gun across state lines and start shooting people. To call this a miscarriage of justice is an understatement. Oh, oh, he's saying, please sue me, Kyle. Please, Kyle, please sue me. Please sue me. I'm not going to be mayor much longer, and I need something to do, man. Boy, dep deposition's going to be a mamma jamma. Discovery is going to be a mamma jamma. Took a gun across state lines and start shooting people. That is a lie. I got to I got to do a screenshot of this in case Kyle needs it. <laughs> oh man, look, dude! If you're going to lie about somebody, you're supposed to do it before the trial, not after he's found not guilty. Homeboy's screwing up here. Don't say Holmes. Let me see. Okay, so. By the way, do you know how to take a screenshot? Well, on my keyboard, there's a little 
a little key down in the lower left-hand side just to the right of control. And it's got like an icon of a window on it. And so you, you click that and you click print screen of the upper right-hand corner at the same time, and then you get the screenshot. And then you open up an app called Paint, and you paste the screenshot onto Paint, and then you just save it, and then you have it. In case you didn't know how to do that. Let's see. Okay. So we'll call it de Blasio lies about Kyle after verdict. Yeah, I just think Kyle needs some of a New York City mayor's money. I just I really do. I think he does. Yep. Christina Peshaw, Governor DeSantis' communications director, says, can't wait for him to sue you, too. (laughs) Oh, this is great, man. Murray Rothbard says, not only are you absolutely wrong, but aren't you the idiot who freed convicted criminals and released them onto the streets in New York City? Take a seat and shut your mouth. Circus clown. Yeah. Yeah. Bill de Blasio, alias Warren Wilhelm, he's a circus clown. What's uh, Chad Pergram have over at Fox? Chad Pergram covers Congress for Fox News. He's quoting Republican Wisconsin U.S. Representative Brian Stell represents Kenosha, Wisconsin. What he's saying on the uh, Rittenhouse verdicts. He says, today's jury decision comes at the close of a thorough legal process. And after the jury had the opportunity to review all the facts of the case, as I stated last year, I encourage our community to be calm and express their views lawfully and peacefully. As we move forward, we must support each other and stand against any violence or destruction. This trial may clear that when authorities fail to utilize appropriate resources to protect public safety, violence and destruction often follows. The destruction in Kenosha did not need to occur. The events covered in the trial were avoidable if proper steps were taken last summer to reestablish public safety. Yeah, from what I gather, from what I understand there, the mayor had told the uh, police to stand down, right? So somebody else says stand up, right? I got to take a sip of water. Here, uh, check this out. Thanks for listening to the Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Many of you have asked, how can we help support the show? Really easy. Go to DocWashburnShow.com and click Become a Patron at the top right corner of the website or click the Podbean logo where it says, Be My Patron on Podbean. We sure do appreciate your support of the Doc Washburn Show. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Brian Dean Wright says, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse won, so did the Second Amendment. Uh, Sean Davis, co-founder of Federalist, has a screenshot of NBC News from a while back. Virginia police officer fired after donating to Kyle Rittenhouse Defense Fund. He says, never forget what these evil Bolshevik bottom feeders tried to do to that kid. Well, yeah, and to the uh, 
Virginia police officer who donated to his defense fund. Right? Right? I want to play it again. Can I play it again, Sam? Something like this. The defendant will rise and face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. Members of the jury. And he collapsed. He collapsed in tears. It was too much, man. Too much. And prosecutors should be sued, I think, for malicious prosecution. They knew he was not guilty. They lied. They did all kinds of things. They did all kinds of things. It was horrible what they did to this young man. Horrible. Horrible horrible again sean davis the federalist says corrupt corporate media cross state lines to incite violent race riots then cross state lines again to crucify a kid for defending himself against their shock troops then cross state lines again to stalk and dox jurors they should be indicted matthew colkin again says it is time for kyle rittenhouse to bring legacy media to its knees R.B. Pundit, again, says, oh, this is on Twitter, by the way. R.B. Pundit says, despite all the leftists crying really hard right now, the fact is that Kyle Rittenhouse broke no laws and acted in self-defense when several communists attacked him. In other words, Kyle Rittenhouse did nothing wrong. Those who attacked him, in fact, did. Did. <clears throat> Allie Beth Stuckey, again, says, unfortunately, still charred Kenosha will burn again thanks to people whose version of so-called justice looks a whole lot more like irrational vengeance. Pray for innocent people in the town of Kenosha. Pray for the protection of the judge and jury. And Murray Rothbard, just seven minutes ago on Twitter, says, now let's live stream the trial of Glenn Maxwell, the case that has to do with a global sex trafficking, pedophile, and government blackmail operation involving some of the most powerful people in the world. That's the one I want to see. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad they live-streamed Kyle Rittenhouse trial. But what about Glenn Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's former girlfriend and procurer of underage girls? Uh, allegedly. The great Buzz Patterson running for U.S. House, California. Military pilot who carried the nuke football for Bill Clinton for two years says, so how long is it going to take for Kyle Rittenhouse to sue Biden for slander? 
Wendy Rogers, Arizona State Senator, again on Twitter, says, be like Kyle. He represents the best of us. Ooh, Greg Price, senior digital strategist over at X Strategies LLC, says, never forget that the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, raised money to bail out rioters who burned down America's cities as big tech was banning people for supporting Kyle Rittenhouse and banned him from crowdfunding his defense. Never forget. Never forget. It's exactly what happened. Marina Medved, opinion columnist, trial attorney, says Joe Biden owes Kyle Rittenhouse an apology. Has Joe Biden ever apologized to anybody or anything? ACLU says, despite Kyle Rittenhouse's conscious decision to travel across state lines and injure one person and take the lives of two people protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake by police, he was not held responsible for his actions. Unfortunately, this is not surprising. So y'all want a piece of this uh, defendant in a defamation lawsuit too, don't you, ACLU? How about that? I thought ACLU had attorneys. Maybe not. The great lawyer, Will Chamberlain, co-publisher of Human Events, says, delete your entire institution. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, boy. One of my favorite people I follow on Twitter, uh, Politibunny, the foo, she calls herself, says, Keep Kyle, Kenosha, and these jurors in your prayers because the people the media have inundated with a constant stream of misinformation and hate are losing their minds over the not guilty verdict. Yeah. Zuby. Zuby music checking in. I might have to listen to some of his music sometime. I've read him so often on Twitter. I've never listened to his music. I'm not a big hip-hop fan, but I'll check him out. He says, some people wanted Kyle Rittenhouse to be found guilty mostly because he is white and male. Let's keep it 100. Specific details of the event are completely irrelevant to these people. Every once in a while, a white male needs to be sacrificed at the altar of the woke gods. They just lost one, so there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The fact people are even talking about race in this case shows how brainwashed they are and how screwed up U.S. corporate media is. Self-defense, cut and dry. Dude could be black, brown, white, green, or purple, whatever. All right, then. Like I say, I'm no, I'm no fan of hip-hop music, but I'm going to have to check out my boy, Zuby Music. I'm going to have to check out and see what he does. Because this is beautiful. This is a... I got to write it down right now before I forget about it. This is, is a beautiful thread. God bless the great... Zuby music. 
Z-U-B-Y. Don't know a thing about his music, but man, he's he he does. He always keeps it one hundred on Twitter. God bless. <laughs> oh, this is good. Glenn Beck already. Glenn Beck saying I'll donate money to Kyle Rittenhouse so he can sue the crap out of corporate media. And Dana Lash says seconded. Some tell me, some tell me <laughs> nobody's have to donate anything. <laughs> Because they're going to be some really, really serious defamation attorneys. I'm going to take this on. <laughs> just going <laughs> to taking a contingency. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh-oh. Wait a minute. It's starting. Nia Renee Hill. Says she's an actor, writer, producer, director. She says, no justice, no peace. Uh-oh. She said that as soon as the not guilty verdict came down, RB Pundit says, sounds like a threat. Hey, Twitter, is this a threat? Interesting. Joy Reid, the great racist over at MSNBC says, in the Rittenhouse case, the 13th juror was a judge. The great lying racist, that is. John Gabriel says, it's over, Joy. You can stop lying now. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the great party man, Randy. I don't know what his real name is, but I, uh, we've been following each other on Twitter for a long time. The great party man, Randy author of Mediocre Saviors and other books, says these demonic creeps psychologically tortured Kyle Rittenhouse for 15 months, taking three days on a verdict that should have never gone to trial isn't a victory, suing each and every one of them, disbarring Binger, the assistant DA, and destroying these monsters would be the victory. Says if we don't destroy these people, it's only a matter of time before they do this to someone else, and it's only a matter of time until they start winning the cases, then it's over. Destroy them now. Destroy them now. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm down, man. I'm down. So, John Cardillo, who's now calling himself John Kyle's not guilty in all counts, Cardillo, says America would be a far better place with more Rittenhouses and fewer Hubers and Rosenbaums. So I call this a great start. Yeah, brother. Mm. Yeah, maybe I should... Maybe I should uh, change my Twitter profile to Doc Kyle's Not Guilty on All Counts, Washburn. Just do that for a little bit. Do that for a little bit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Marjorie Taylor Greene throwing down now. She's got a screenshot of a tweet from uh, August 26th of last year. Ayanna Presley, the bald-headed woman from Massachusetts, one of the squad, one of the communists in the U.S. House, who said a 17-year-old white supremacist, domestic terrorist, drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. She says, fix your damn headlines. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene says, Ayanna Presley, you owe Kyle Rittenhouse an apology. Now we will continue to maintain that in America, defendants are innocent to proven guilty. Kyle Rittenhouse has been found not guilty. His white skin doesn't make him a white supremacist, and that AR-15 saved his life. Oh, yeah. I got I to gotta retweet that one. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's a great day in America, y'all. It's a great day. Great day in America. Justin Hart says, things to reiterate. Kyle traveled like 15 miles to his dad's house. That's what they call the border crossing. Kyle's family lived in Kenosha. He felt like he was defending his hometown. The gun was 100% legal. Remember, the police chose to stand down. Why wouldn't you stand up? The great Justin Hart. Bringing the heat. Bringing the heat on a Friday afternoon. If it sounds like I'm excited, I'm celebrating. It might be because I'm excited I'm celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Benny Johnson. Benny Johnson. Also a great podcaster. Says being a patriot is not a crime. Free man. And he has pictures of Kyle Rittenhouse when he was much younger, looking like maybe 12 or 13 years old, in a fireman's suit and in a policeman's suit, like he wanted to be an auxiliary or something like that. All this guy wanted to do was help people. And they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him. Oh, somebody says, does Black Rifle Coffee have a comment now? Oh, oh, Black Rifle Coffee. Remember what the deal was with that? Black Rifle Coffee, they were, um, they were advertising on somebody's podcast and when it came out that um, this guy was championing Rittenhouse, they're like, "No, no, no, no." So they weren't conservatives after all. Here it is. Andy Neo has it. Who remembers how Black Rifle Coffee disparaged suspect Kyle Rittenhouse and his supporters last year after the teen posted bail? It canceled advertising on Elijah Schaefer's show after the YouTuber tweeted out, tweeted out a photo of Rittenhouse in a Black Rifle Coffee t-shirt. I don't drink coffee anyway, but, you know. No, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. Anyway, it's a, it's a great day in America. It is a great day in America. Let me uh, let me check back see if anybody said anything. Any of my uh, live folks at Podbean. Yeah, let's see what what have I missed here. Jack Straw says, hey, Doc, snipping tool. Just saying. Oh, oh, 
Oh. See, Jack actually is technologically um, inclined. I'm technologically challenged. He's talking about a better way to do uh, um, to do uh, to get a screenshot of something. Yep, that would be a better way to do it. But I'm challenged, bro. I- I'm not a luddite intentionally, but what can I say? Uh, Cartoon Steve says, hopefully Kyle sues squinty-eyed, soulless, black-eyed Biden. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that, man. I'm here for that. I am here for that. Absolutamundo. This is a great day. A great day for America. So again, remember now, remember, remember, remember. Joseph D. Rosenbaum, convicted felon, sex offender, level three offender, failure to maintain register status, attempted assault and battery, killed by victim. Anthony Huber, convicted felon, assault and battery, domestic abuse, false imprisonment, illegal weapon, assault and battery, killed by victim. Gage P. Grosskreutz, convicted felon, felony burglary, probation violation, illegal weapon, assault with an illegal weapon, neutralized by a victim. Sweet. Sweet. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm about worn out. Um, my, uh, my producer, Brian, and I, we're going to have to go get something to eat, man. I ain't going to lie, fam. I mean, we got we got to pick up those chairs my wife bought, but we got to get something to eat too, right? I'm famished. I'm famished too, bro. I got Mr. Chin's on the brain, man. Yeah, love it. Chinese food. Yum, yum. We got to do something. I don't know if that, if not that. See, I haven't taken my wife over there yet, and and we're supposed to go over there maybe tomorrow or whatever. Yeah, you too. But I'll, I'll do that two days in a row. Yeah. I have a problem with that. Don't forget your wife. No, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> all right, so that having been said, I love this clothes that we have. You've been listening to the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, November 19th, 2021. <laughs>